Lucy, Neil. I live in Tooting, and I've lived here nearly getting on for three decades. I have a background in the art. I used to run a festival called Lift, the London International Festival of Theatre, and I got involved with Transition in 2008 and initiated our initiative here, which I'm proud and happy to say in its own idiosyncratic shooting way um, is flourishes. A lot of people the arts would still be taking to refer to Cezanne or Monet or something that you frame and, and, and hang on a wall somewhere or sculpture or those sorts of things. When you talk about the arts, what does that, what does that mean to you? I think my own experience of the arts has been very actively affected by the idea of being a participant in the making of stories. Um, I have a theatre background and the idea that if we make stories together, we can find that they end up making us really. So my idea of the arts is really a very almost practical day-to-day -day one around creativity and how we bring that into every single aspect of our daily lives. So not just the storytelling, but also the gathering, the hosting, the growing, the cooking, the doing, and about how we look at the world and how we use a creative frame to interpret and translate that world in terms of the way we'd like to see the world. So it's somewhat paradoxical, I think, that it is through these imaginary worlds, which is how I see the arts, that we can construct our own reality. So they're kind of fundamental, really, to our everyday living, as much as being, you know, the great works of art that we see over history and through civilization. But I think when you bring it down to the ground, you know, it is really about how we connect to things um, and how we build connection. And that can be in, in the smallest detail of our lives as much as the sort of grand operas. You've just published, or at least you will have by the time people are listening to this, a book called Playing for Time, which is a look exploring the role of the arts and transition. Can you tell us a, a bit more about it? Where did the idea come from and what do, you, what do you do in it? Very early on in my life as a transitioner and creating projects and events in Tooting, it struck me quite dramatically one day that transition was ultimately almost wholly a creative process in the sense that it was inspiring people to work imaginatively, to, to rethink the future, to really examine the art of the possible and to look very um, straight at the challenges that we face, but rather than be utterly overwhelmed by them to sort of hold for a beat and say, hold on a minute, but there are possibilities that we can work with. And that requires us to work creatively together and collectively, but to tap into something which is very, very strong between us, which is our imaginative capabilities. And it struck me then that that was really akin to, to what I'd always worked with. So I became very gripped by that fact, I suppose, and the more involved I got with transition, um, the more I became sort of almost obsessed, really, with trying to weave together 
um, what would a, and I chose to call it, what would a transitional arts practice look like? In other words, um, what would a practice look like that was daily and creative, that carried within it an intention to bring about change in the world, that worked collaboratively, that worked in community, that worked from commonality to build connection, um, and that allowed the, the, the stories and the narratives that we bring of our own lives and the way we see the world um, together with others, and that, that affected change, but that that was ultimately a creative practice. And so uh, that's where the book started for me, was to think, what, what would that practice, how would we define that? But also recognising that I could see it everywhere. I, I could really see it happening in communities. I could see it happening amongst um, artists that had particularly participatory and collaborative arts practices. And I think that one of the really exciting things for me was to, to, to be able to see it, but to realise that it needed better definition, that it needed to be made more visible for everybody to be able to see it. And I sometimes describe it a bit like being, um, if it were an animal, that it would be like a, a chameleon that was there, but you have to kind of tune into it because it's something that might be happening. It might be a growing project in an allotment for the school. It might be happening in a hospital. It might be happening in the street. It might be happening in bandstands, on the coast, you know, on a river. Um, and these are not the everyday places that people expect to see art making, as it were, because it has become part and parcel of the people and the place that are there. But nevertheless, there's a very strong and powerful uh, transformative process or action taking place. And, and the book, therefore, has gathered up those stories and those practices. And in the end, there are about six, over 60 people um, giving voice to that narrative of change through the artwork they're making. That kind of uh, re, not quite a redefinition, but realigning of, of an arts practice as being in service to a community, in service to a wider process. In some ways, it runs counter to what one often imagines uh, an artist's practice as being, which is quite sort of inward, quite uh, sort of self-indulgent, someone, some might say. Do you think that that kind of artist that you're talking about, that with that transition focus, that transition motivation, that anybody can become that? Are they, are they born or are they nurtured? I think it is in us all, yes, absolutely. And the book, in a sense, is trying to uh, make that abundantly clear by offering that redefinition. So, I mean, I can give a few examples that um, Sarah Woods, who's a playwright and activist in the book, has a lovely phrase when she talks about live story making and the idea that when we gather, even if we gather, for example, to show a film like Gaslands or something like that, but if we take care in how, who we gather and how we gather them and then draw out from that evening people's responses not in some adversarial way about their own fears or interests or self-interest but draw out some shared hope or sense of the future that's a very new situation and if we look 
more broadly at the idea of dramaturgy in our lives, you know, the idea that our lives do have a narrative and we can act in that narrative. Uh, there is a sort of question about how we can act. In an evening like that, we're all making these small choices all the time about listening, talking, acting, uh, and the idea that those evenings are live story making you know, that in its broad sense is is a kind of a theatre that one could see. Um, somebody else might be working, you know, around water and the idea of the creative potential of water. Um, somebody else, Fern Smith in the book, leads a land journey across the land where the journeying is an encounter and a dialogue with the land, but then meeting artists and others who emerge from the landscape um, and I think it's this idea of being an artist, you can become something of a circuit breaker to the way we look at things. And we can interrupt our familiar way of looking at something to create a different way. And I think the arts and being an artist create emergent space for us to do that. And that, that's precisely what Transition is doing. Transition is presenting us with a context in order to live our lives and work and a narrative, and it creates emergent space. And I suppose that's what really interests me about the arts, in the way that they tap into that emergent space and they, they open out possibilities for people. Now that could be something that you witness at an event uh, that changes something in you, it could change you as a participant in a project, um, or it, it also changes the place that you're working. So if you have... Um, I mean, an example of one of the projects we did in Tooting with Ruth Bentoven, which was one of the shops, Encounters Shops. What I witnessed in the time that shop was open, and it, it, it wasn't an everyday shop, it was a shop where nothing was on sale but lots was on offer. People just coming off the high street into that imaginative space and, and being allowed in quite a gentle way to connect with their, the spirit of tooting in terms of what their memories of the place were, what their hopes for the future were, what their fears for the future were. Um, a space was created which was utterly different from anything, you know, ordinarily on the high street. Um, and it allowed for this celebration, really, of possibilities, but it allowed people to express deeply and quite personally what it was that they yearned for. And that changes a place. But space making it utterly alters how we connect it changes our behavior and how we engage with each other when you first uh, came to transition you mentioned about how you were kind of taken with the idea that you know you could see this as a arts practice and reimagine that what what was it about transition when you encountered that 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 made you feel that was possible because if you joined Greenpeace for example chances are you wouldn't think ah I'm going to redesign my arts practice around this particular campaign or something what what was there in when you encountered it that you felt was sort of there was a space there to innovate or permission or you know how, how was that uh well culture shift which is a document that's just come out of where we um, from an organisation called Emergence, which maps sustainable um, 
practice amongst artists responding to climate change in Wales. And they've come up with this wonderful phrase that the current situation, um, the planetary challenges, create an art-shaped space. And I think what I take from that is that we do need space for uncertainty, for our feelings, yearning, uh, the language of our hearts, poetry, metaphor. And these are all incredibly powerful ways of being able to connect to the values that we live by, uh, whether those are values of community and connection and collaboration, or whether those are values of, you know, the, the, the sort of dominant narrative of commodity and consumerism. But having an art-shaped space in which we can dream and experience empathy and make meaning, you know, this for me is the depth of what the job is at the moment, really, is to be able to build a culture between us that can come together around these things. So I think when you're just sort of operating in, in quite sort of literal or, um, you know, the sort of dealing head on with facts and figures and the reality of the situation. It doesn't allow us that uh, more complex and transformative space to be able to change. Um, and that's not just about changing me or changing, you know, uh, at a personal level. It's about doing it collectively because you know our reality is socially constructed so we need these we need collective social spaces in which these celebrations of possibility can can take place if, if there are people who, who are listening to this who are involved in a transition group and they may not be artists themselves and they may not yet have this idea of integrating and incorporating the arts and arts practice into how they work as a transition group might not yet have really, this might be their first encounter with it. What would your advice be for them in terms of how they might invite that in or make space for that or find people who could bring that to the transition group and, and, and how would they present that as an idea? Well, I think it helps at this point really to be very straightforward about the book in terms of how it's structured. It's the first part of the book creates the frame um, of sort of where we are in terms of what the drivers of change are. So there's something about energy and our relationship to energy. You, Rob, have written something about relocalization and building resilient communities. Um, we've got something about money and grown-up economics. We've got something about um, the commons, about food systems, um, about art and climate change, about kindness. Um, and about building ecological communities. So that first part of the book, in a sense, sets the stage in terms of what what is this um, you know great planetary story that we're talking about in terms of the challenges and where are the possible ways that our story can go. And then the second part of the book then opens out the story of transitional arts and what that might look like. And that is given by a whole number of different people. And there are 10 
chapters within that. The first is about land and our connection to land. The second is about home and a sense of belonging. The third is about rites of passage, which personally I've always found absolutely fascinating about transition in terms of how we mark change and how by marking change we can actually accelerate change. Um, the fourth is around food growing and how central that is to our culture. Then there's uh, a chapter on activism, uh, then one on water, then one on the body and how we relate you know, to our own bodies and how that is really a, a sort of way of seeing how we connect you know, more, more broadly to the physical world. There's a chapter on hands, which is really absolutely a kind of bullseye in terms of transitions focus on reskilling and how our skills with our hands are absolutely sort of fundamental to how we can not just have a relationship with the material world, but also how we find ourselves seeing possibility and 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 working you know very directly with our hands. And then there's a chapter on words and how key words are. And then finally, one about street and public spaces and how we make those, um, you know, events and things that can happen on the street. And then the third section is called Recipes for Action. And that carries with it actually a gorgeous um, sort of treasure chest, really, of ways in which any of these things could be picked up and played with. So, whether it's, for example, um, digging up some clay where you live and working you know physically with clay or running a sort of renga collective poetry making event or working with kefir and yogurt or knowing your place on the oil road so james marriott from platform has written a recipe for action that allows you to really understand you know your place on the oil road and how to um really investigate very, very deeply where carbon comes in your family history or in your locality or in your money and so on. And then there's a section called tools, which give some really practical um, ways of holding space, um, of writing your story of change, of writing a community blog, of how to find resources, um, and how to run certain group um, creative processes where give and gain become the kind of key element. So I hope I just hope that there's a kind of way in for almost anyone, whether they are an existing professional artist, but they've not worked directly within this context before. Uh, whether that's to do with a sort of planetary one or uh, a community one. And similarly somebody working as a community activist. Uh, feeling instinctively that there's already something they're doing which is creative, which is being involved in transition, but actually just wanting some sort of ends of pieces of string really to try. And that's why it's called recipes for action. They're not it's not you should do it like this. It's certain artists and activists in the book have said, well, this is how we did it. You know, we we organised a land journey and this is how we went about it. Um, so I really that it feels a very accessible book in terms of the possibilities that are there to develop 
a daily transitional arts practice. I'm very aware that it is offering a different way of looking at art in one way. And um, John Jordan, who writes in the book, has has sort of nailed it really, where he and others at Platform call it about um, that they say, you know, we sometimes think of art as being something that represents reality. And actually, we're moving now into art really being about transforming reality. It's not about showing things, it's about transforming the world directly. Um, and I think that's, for me, I mean, that is just incredibly exciting because that's not about art being something that you consume, but it's, it's a new purpose for art where it's absolutely part and parcel of our responsibilities. So it has, art has responsibility, it has, it has moral, social, ecological responsibilities. And that, for me, gives it, um, you know, real, uh, it matters. It's, you know, the book is not called Making Art as if the world matters for nothing. Um, and I think it's not, I, I think we talk sometimes quite, abstractly about culture shift um, or the role of our imagination. But, you know, I just wanted with all these people just to really get down and go, well, what does that mean? What does that actually mean on a Monday morning, you know, in terms of organising something and setting a project up? Could you maybe tell us about two of the case studies in the book that you think are most exciting and most move transition forward into places that we might not... I've otherwise imagined it. Anne-Marie Culhane is very present in the book, having, she's currently doing something with Exeter University called Fruit Roots, where she's working very directly with university and departments on the campus that look at sustainability and land management. And it's planting fruit trees across the campus, but around that activity, there are all kinds of other events and workshops and wassails and it's really drawing a line through all the connections that can be made at university, uh, you know, around the food we eat, around learning about trees and planting trees and about how the land is management managed. Uh, and she also did a project in the book called The Diary Keepers, which was in the Tamar Valley and was looking at the future of the Tamar Valley. But that chose a market gardener called Joseph Snell, who had been a market gardener, I think, in the 1950s. He kept a rather uh, economically worded diary. And Anne-Marie cycled around post offices um, and dropped off these beautiful little red books. And she just solicited people that wanted to contribute to the project to write literally two sentences a day in a diary over a month and then gathered up all those diaries for a project at the end, which made an installation in an old market garden greenhouse and created a performance from that. But that was part of a longer term plan to look at the future of the Tamar Valley, which does not have you know, what it used to have in terms of these small um, market garden businesses. And I think that is a very good example, really, of how these arts practices can embed themselves into places and become 
a vehicle really for people to see things differently, be different with each other and root a different way of coming together around how the future can be imagined differently and then empowered to actually do that. So no, it's not just, you know, imagining it, but becoming very inspired to see that people are capable of creating and making these things. And we live in a society of a lot of separation from that simple activity. You know, we get cut off from things that we can produce and make ourselves. But I think the paradox that runs through all this is that, you know, a, a new script for our lives can arise, but it will arise from an imaginary world. And I think that that's the thing that I find most exciting. But of course, it's also the thing that in, in a rather sort of fact-orientated world, it's the thing that gets a bit left out sometimes. It's, al it's alchemy. You know, these are alchemists. And we can't all be alchemists. And the book is trying to make that so palpably clear to everybody that there's absolutely no hesitation in just running out and uh, getting on with it. So, Lucy, tell us a little bit about how you actually produced the book. The process of bringing the book together is exactly exemplifies the the way in which transitional arts practice takes place, which is that it, it was a collaborative project. So whilst I and the author and my narrative goes through the book, over 60 people have contributed and collaborated in, in, in creating it. And there were a core group of artists and activists that I invited two years ago to, we had a residency up in Yorkshire with the Arvon up at Lumbank. And we laid the first tracks of the book there by really each person writing about the practice and what how they worked and whether they were working with their hands with clay or whether they were working in community or with words or whatever form they were working with and from that week we distilled 10 principles of transitional arts practice and those principles are uh written about by those that group so that for example one of the principles is work with community another is about um collaboration another is about framing and how you frame things or another is about how you hold space and facilitate so on their own these things don't really sound very much but when you consider the context in which transition is working um and the creative intention that runs through all these things i hope I hope um, that because there are so many examples around them, I hope that these principles of transitional art practice uh, are quite robust in terms of how people can almost use them as a checklist. You know, well, I know about that and I can do that, but maybe I could learn a bit more about that. 